It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to the fourth podcast in our 2018 e-commerce growth series. I'm Chloe Thomas, creator of the e-commerce master plan. I'm an author, speaker and advisor, and I focus on e-commerce marketing. The 2018 e-commerce growth series is a set of hand-picked interviews to give you ideas and inspiration on how to grow your e-commerce business in 2018. We've already covered some great topics. We're going to be covering some more and diving into some fascinating e-commerce businesses. So do let me know how you find it all. If this e-commerce growth series whets your appetite for really going for growth in 2018, then make sure you're also signed up to our e-commerce master plan virtual summit. It's free and packed with videos from experts covering lots of different ways to improve your business. Previous podcast guest Robert Boyle had this to say about the summit. It is very rare to find so much amazing and useful e-commerce content in one place. And the best bit is that it's all free. You can jump in and out, listening to the topics which are most relevant to you and your business, and having this resource open for a year means you can come back and watch again as many times as you like. I can't recommend this highly enough, and with such a wide and diverse range of subjects covered, you will definitely find some golden nuggets to help you grow your business. Thanks for that review, Rob. I really appreciate it. Now, all of you can get immediate access to all that great content at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash summit. But for now, let me introduce you to today's special guest. Justin Cook is the CMO and founder of Empire Flippers. So as well as knowing a whole heap about buying and selling e-commerce businesses, he also knows a ton about sales funnels and marketing automation. Now, Empire Flippers launched in 2012 after they'd had two years of successfully building and selling their own websites. They've now helped people buy and sell over $26 million worth of online businesses. So Justin really knows what he's talking about here here in this area. So hello, Justin. Hey, Chloe. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No, it's great to have you here. Um, I've just given our listeners a really quick overview of you, your business and what you're up to at the moment. How did you end up in this world of e-commerce? Yeah, so we it's it's kind of a long story. I'll make it quick though. We my business partner and I worked for a you know a US company uh in, in California and we ended up leaving that company to start an outsourcing company in the Philippines. So we both moved to the Philippines and shortly after doing that, within a year, they'd cut back significantly our previous employer on our business. Like we were doing business with them. They were our major client and they started cutting back on us. So what we started doing is looking for other ways to keep our team, right? We had this staff in the Philippines. We had an office. We had all this stuff. And we said, look, we want to keep these people employed and we want to stay in business. So we started looking for things to do. And we figured out a way to build content-based sites advertised via Amazon Associates or, or AdSense primarily and get them up and running and making money. So we started building these sites and then eventually started selling them as little mini assets. And they were earning you know, maybe 200 bucks a month, 150 bucks a month, 300 bucks a month. And we'd sell them off to investors looking to buy these small assets and grow them out. So we started doing that for ourselves, And then eventually we, we built a market. We didn't know that, but there was a market there. And we had other people kind of following along with what we we're doing. And they said, hey, can we sell our websites or our businesses with you as well? So eventually we started letting them sell with us and we turned into a brokerage. Wow. Okay. So, um, so given we've just got to the brokerage, do you want to tell us a bit more about what happens at Empire Flippers? 
Yeah. So we have people, you know, in our audience that have found us either on Facebook or, you know, through referrals or, or, you know, have done business with us in the past and they have an online business, let's say an e-commerce business. And, you know, let's say it's making, it's doing 50,000 a month in sales, for example, and making about $10,000 a month in profit. And, you know, they've got some other business they want to pursue, but it requires some cash. Maybe they want to, you know, put a down payment on a house. Plus they need a lot of inventory for this other e-commerce business they're starting. So they're looking for an influx of cash. So they come to us and they say, look, I've got this business. I've had it for three years. It's profitable. makes about 10,000 profit a month. Can you help me sell it? And so we have a particular process that we you know, have them go through to check the business, to verify the information. And then we list that business for sale. So we've got a marketplace that, that our buyers go to that look at all the you know, various business we have for sale. And they range from as low as twenty dollars to $30,000 on up to just over a million dollars in terms of valuation. So you know, people will look through that and they contact us and then we help kind of navigate the process of exiting their online business. Um, we do any type of online business. Um, so it can be whether they're selling Kindle, Kindle books, whether they're selling e-commerce, they have an Amazon FBA company, we can help them sell it. Oh, wow. So it's kind of anything that's making its money online that's worth a reasonable amount, then you're interested in helping broker it. Yeah, that's right. Um, as long as it has, it's profitable, um, it's established, meaning it's been around for over a year, has to be making for e-commerce in particular, uh, just over a thousand dollars a month in profit as a minimum. And, and the reason for that is generally, uh, if it's under that, let's say it's, it's doing let's say $8,000 a month in sales, but only profiting about four or 500. It's just not worth the work both for our buyers and for us. So we have minimums. Uh, but outside of that, and outside of our vetting process to make sure that the numbers match up and everything's mm-hmm. legitimate, um, we have, you know, a host of buyers that are looking to invest in these. And, and we'll talk, I'm sure we'll get into buyers a little bit later. But yeah, we got a, a bunch of buyers in our audience that are looking to purchase these assets. Cool. Well, let's some um... What I, what I, because as, as the regular listeners will know, every, every now and then I get on someone who's an expert in buying and selling e-commerce businesses because anyone who's building an e-commerce business should be thinking about how to sell it, even if, because that's good, you know, as we were saying before we even started recording, that's good practice, even if you're not intending on selling it. Um, but also, I know there's a lot of people out there who've maybe built up one, one business, they've got it to a point where it's not going to grow anymore, and they want to maybe dip their toe in the water and use the systems and processes they've got on another business, but they've not, they don't want to start from ground zero, they want to start part way in. So um, what I want to to discuss with you today, really, is get into the sort of sites that are selling and then maybe get into a bit about buying a business, if that's okay with you. Yeah, of course. So what sort of what sort of trends are happening in the industry? Because I, I, I find it quite amazing that an FBA business can be sold. That, yeah, that so kind of that, blows my mind. Yeah, it's interesting. So, well, one of the things I should warn you is that <laughs> we're not at the bleeding edge of the industry. In fact, we're more at the tail end because when people are finally starting to exit the businesses, you know, they've been around for a few years. So I think we listed our first Amazon FBA business in like December of 2015 and sold, I think a couple dozen in 2016 and, you know, a couple dozen so, you know, so far in 2017. Um, but we were late to the game. You know, Amazon FBA had been out for 
years before that. And the reason is, you know, we're just late to the game um, because they're exiting. So, yeah, in terms of the types of, of businesses that sell and, and that are hot right now, I mean, FBA is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about kind of the specifics around FBA. I mean, e-commerce uh, does well. Dropshipping sell relatively well. Um, we see a lot of smaller dropshipping sites, though. They'll be normally five or low six figures, where some of the e-commerce businesses and the FBA businesses can be you know, mid-six figure, low seven figures. So it's so the interesting thing is the, the sites you're seeing people selling, it's almost like the gold rushes started to end, I suppose. Because yeah, people well, are getting out. Yeah, well, you know, people, uh, a couple of years ago, everyone was like, oh, Amazon FBA is hot, right? So what happens is a lot of people will shift. They were maybe working in drop shipping or they were working in, you know, affiliates or whatever. And they said, oh, let's go over to FBA. And then people leave the market because something else hot pops up. Right now, Amazon merch. We've sold a few Amazon merch businesses and there's a lot of people that have been messing with that. So, you know, the kind of crowd will herd themselves around to different <laughs> business models, but it has, it re- rarely has anything to do necessarily with the profitable or the successful, you know, aspects of that business model itself. So, you know, people have screamed that, you know, AdSense is dead or drop shipping is dead. Right. And that's why people are yeah. FBA or whatever, but it's just, just not true. I mean, we're selling those businesses. Now we see them on a regular basis. They come across, you know, the people that I think are successful in this industry, um, found a particular business model they liked that they they built some success in and stuck with it. They weren't chasing the shiny object. Uh, so it's kind of like if we think about the customer adoption, I can never remember the correct name for it, but the customer adoption curve, you know, we've got the early adopters and then you get into the majority. Actually, yes. we're seeing the early, early adopters going, oh, new, bright, shiny, need to yes. go over there. And actually, there's still plenty of profit left in it, still plenty of interest in it left for the rest of us. But the kind of like the the literally the gold rush <laughs> getting in there at the first point has has passed. Yeah, there are lots of profitable businesses that are in really boring industries, really boring niches. And so I think the, some of these niches get you know overlooked because someone's like, oh, you know, I'd rather I'd rather be playing with drones or I'd rather be selling, you know, <laughs> I'd rather be in kind of like this this newer kind of hotter niche. You know, and you've got people selling industrial fans and crushing it. Do you know what I mean? I did a radio interview yesterday uh, and what someone texted into the radio show, because we we're talking about a vaguely similar principle in another area on it. And someone texted in and said, fundamentally, I would rather be selling manure and making a profit than selling um, some, something. I can't remember what the second word was, but I'd rather be selling manure for a profit, profit than something exciting for a loss. And I was like, yeah. That. Yeah. And you, and you have some people that are like, look, I want to follow my passion, right? And they're like, so fired about passion. And you said, you see gurus talking about passion, but I think there's a lot of value in the kind of like, you know, boring niches. And, and people say, oh, you know, those people go, oh, well, I'm just not passionate about manure. Or I'm not passionate about, well, here's the thing. Okay. Maybe you don't care about manure or industrial fans, but maybe you care about teams. Maybe you, you like the intricate mm-hmm. detail of building out process. Like we talked about before the show. So those are the things in your business that you can get, do really well and be really proud of and be really successful at. So, you know, who cares that's manure that you're selling? You have this amazing team. You've built this culture in the company. You've got these amazing processes that allow you to plug and play people. You know, that there's real pride in that and there's value in that. So you can get passionate about things inside your business. Don't don't expect to necessarily be passionate about the niche itself. Cool. And um, I just need to double check on something you said earlier. You said people are getting into Amazon merch. Now, I'm not 
I'm not afraid to admit I have no idea what you're talking about. So what's Amazon Merch? So it's, are you familiar with Teespring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why yeah, you, so you put your design up and they do all the print for you. Yep. So Amazon's been taking that on through what they call Amazon Merch. And so um, we we'd first heard of it too, when they said, Hey, can I sell an Amazon merch business? And we we're like, I don't know. Let me, <laughs> let me see what it is. <laughs> and, uh, and they'd had some people, I think in on a beta or something or not a beta, but like they were testing through it. And, uh, and we said, I think so, you know, we can sell online businesses. I, I think we could probably sell this. And so we said, we'll give it a, we'll take a stab at it. And so we listed it and, and got it sold and got a little bit of press about it. So we ended up getting a few more merch businesses in our way because of the press we got that sale and then you know that is kind of the 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 bleeding edge stuff um but it was it was the first time one of those was sold not the first time one of the people i think (laughs) signed up so so yeah i mean it's it's an interesting business model it's not going to have near the strength of fba i don't think but you know a lot of people were talking about it and because it's it's new it's the shiny new object right yeah oh yeah those horrible shiny new objects. Um, one, of, one of the businesses we've we've sold a lot of, especially like five to like low six figures, um, are these businesses that do. They're just lead generation businesses. They're not actually e-commerce, um, but they'll do like local um, stuff. So so like a, you know, the for profit institutions in the U.S. The for profit educational institutions. So they provide mm-hmm. leads to those companies, and they're monetized via something called Campus Explorer. So they, you know, Campus Explorer has all the agreements set up with yeah. the educational institutions. And then you providing the leads to them, uh, they'll give you a, a cut of the deal and they sell that lead off to the school. And we've sold quite a few of those businesses over the years and and they just keep coming. They keep churning. They keep making money. We've seen um, a bunch of those. But our latest, I'd say, is FBA. That's also the largest business we sold. We sold a $1.7 million uh, Amazon FBA business. Um, wow. It was up for a couple of years, I think two to three years it had mm. been around. It it was um our first million dollar sale and it took us a little while. It took us about eight months to sell it. But we we did end up selling it and we actually did a case study on our site. I'll I'll share the link with you so you can oh, share cool. with your audience. That'd be great. I'll put that in the show notes, everyone who's listening. So um so when someone buys an FBA business, just cause just because I think this is fascinating, is basically what they're getting the Amazon login and the connection to the person who they buy the product from. So it's best if they sell the seller account, right? Or yeah. basically if the seller account is included. Um, and, you know, some people are like, well, are you sure that's allowed? And so what you can do is you can ask Amazon. We have a particular email that we send out and we work with the buyer and seller on. But basically they can ask if they can sell, if they can include the account in the sale of the business. And every single time we've had them say yes, and we just document that. And then we'll transfer the seller account to the buyer. So that's the easiest and best way to do it. Mm-hmm. You can do it without actually transferring the seller account. So you, you don't get the seller reviews and everything that comes with it. But there is a way to do that. It basically involves hijacking uh, the listing of the other um, and slowly transferring over inventory, doing half and then doing the other half. It takes a little longer too. It can take, you know, after even we've agreed on the deal and we start migrating the business, it can take about two months, a month and a half to two months, whereas it normally only takes us, you know, three to five weeks to transfer a business. Yeah, I suppose, the, I guess the the price of an FBA business is a lot higher if the seller account is included. That helps. It helps if they have a real strong brand and they're not selling, you know, what everyone else is selling. Um, you know, there are, and, and this, we can get into like why that is, but it affects your multiple. So how businesses are valued, and we're not talking Silicon Valley. We're not talking, you know, what Twitter's worth or Facebook's worth. Good for them, good on them with their VC money. But I'm, I'm talking about businesses like for the rest of us, right? So your business value, 
value is based on a couple of things. Valuation will equal your net profit, and we, we use a monthly average. So your net monthly profit on average over the last 12 months uh, times some multiple, right? And that multiple, there's a bunch of things that go into that. So just for example, yeah. If you have an e-commerce business doing 50000 a month in sales and comes out that you are have a net profit of $10,000, and this is an average of the last 12 months, including Christmas season and everything. So you're averaging $10,000. Uh, you may have a multiple ranging from 25 to 35x, depending. So that that would put your valuation somewhere between $250,000 and $350,000. And then we add on the wholesale value of whatever inventory you have. And that's normally between five to 20% of the business. Not more than that. That's crazy. Uh, not less than that because you're too short on inventory. So um, you have another 20,000, know, 20, tack that on uh, to the business. So you may ask, well, 250 to 350 is a really big difference. I, I want 100,000. Yeah. How do I get that? And that's a lot of what we talk about kind of on our blog and on our podcast. But there's a, there's a bunch of things that go into it. And it's effectively trying to balance risk for the buyer, right? So Mm -hmm. if your business is wholly reliant on, uh, you know, uh, let's say one or two products, right? And one of those one or two products are, well, let's take those, uh, what are those, um, those little things that people would step on and ride around on, right? They were blowing up for a little while on YouTube. You saw those. Oh yeah. The, um, like the, yeah, you just lean forward or lean back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they kind of like, you know, they got a bunch of bad press and there's you know questions about regulation. So if you have a business like that, you know, buyers might be a little more scared. If you're in the, you know, you're selling paraphernalia for, you know, medicinal marijuana in the US or something and, you know, there's questions as to where that's going to go, you know, there may be some some questions in buyers minds. And so they're going to want to give you a lower multiple for things like that based on risk. Um, if your business is well diversified, you have a bunch of different products, 50, 60 products that are kind of your main products that sell well. Uh, you've got multiple suppliers lined up. You've got multiple traffic channels, right? So I've got organic, but I've also got some paid traffic going, a little bit of social media, maybe you know, 30, 30, 30 mix there. Um, you know, I've been around longer. So I've been around for three and a half years as opposed to a year and a half. Those are all things that are going to get you a better multiple. So those, those are kind of factored into the difference between the 25 X and 35 X multiple. Now, depending on the business, some businesses like a SaaS business, a recurring type business will get, can get much higher multiples. You can get, you know, 30, 30 to 50 plus X depending. Um, but e-commerce typically 25 to 35 X is about right. And we're multiplying that average monthly profit by that numbers come up with the price, aren't we? Just so as everyone's clear on that. Yeah, that's right. And and, and typically, uh, particularly with e-commerce, uh, we're looking at a 12-month average. Um, with some businesses, because of their kind of like growth trajectory or if they're, de- they're declining significantly, we'll use like a six-month average. That's not ideal though, because it's either covering the holiday season, which <laughs> is to your benefit, or it's not, which is not to your benefit. So you know, we'll, we'll usually only do that in like a really high growth business or they've gone through some kind of you know, major change that has negatively affected their business. We'll use a shorter time frame, but we like to use a 12 month because it gives a full season and gives a full cycle. Got you. So if what happens if like your million pa- million dollar sale, um, it takes 12 months to sell it? Does the does the price change on the basis of the multiple and the fact it probably grew in that time or... You know, is the price a moving, and obviously the price is a partly movable fee because of the value of the wholesale, you know, of the product that's sat there waiting to be sold. So at what point yep, does so, that price get defined? 
Yeah. So uh, we'll define it right when we list the business. Mm -hmm. And then while you're listed with us, we're working with and helping to to vet the buyers to kind of like weed out the tire kickers. And when we get a buyer that's seriously interested, then we'll get them on what we call a buyer-seller call. And with a seller, we'll do kind of a pre-call with the seller to kind of like prep them for who the buyer is, you know, what they should expect, that kind of thing. We'll have our uh, business advisors on the phone call to do the buyer-seller call. Mm -hmm. And they do a post-call to kind of like, look, here's kind of what I think is going to happen next. And here's what we need to do on the next call, that kind of thing. So our business advisors work with the sellers regularly to, you know, do these calls and kind of get them through them towards a sale. Now, while the business is listed, it does change price. So we use that to our advantage as a brokerage to reach out to potentially interested or interested buyers and say, Hey, look, you know, this price is going up. You have 48 hours to put in an offer on this. Otherwise you're going to be looking at the new price. The, you know, the price is changing. Is this doing better? Uh, if it declines, we, we don't use that. Sales <laughs> pitch, but we, we definitely reach out to them and say, Hey, look, you can get a discount on this business. It just recently went down and you know, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it does change in price. We don't change the price based on inventory. So we'll normally do that as a separate deal. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of the price. So, so we don't, you know, we're not constantly evaluating it yeah, based yeah. on the inventory levels, but yeah. So, and the thing is in sellers need to know this too, is that when they have their business listed with us, um, one of the biggest kind of, um, problems we run into with sellers is, you know, sometimes they're not selling at the right time. Like, you know, the, the brainy right time they're selling cause they're just done with it or they've moved on. They just don't have any time to devote to it. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of just let it, dwindle they run out of inventory they are not really getting back to customer inquiries you know they've just kind of in their head they've moved on so particularly if it's like a high six or low seven million you know about you know, let's say four hundred thousand to three million dollar business they have listed uh they need to keep working on it they need to stay up on it it's gonna take a little while to sell so just listing isn't selling you actually haven't sold the business until the money's in your bank Oh, yeah. And the, the logins are handed over. Um, yeah. So what sort of person are people are buying these FBA, dropship, e-commerce businesses at the moment? Because you mentioned investors earlier, or are they people looking for something they can bolt onto their own business or a new business for themselves? What's the What, what do the buyers actually look like? cool people. <laughs> we have, we have, a, we have a, we, we've talked about this a lot, actually. We have a, a, a buyer profile. We have six of them. We, we've talked about our podcast and the blog, but you know, we've kind of broken them down and we've even named them. So one example would be a newbie norms. So newbie norms is kind of brand new to online businesses, you know, has heard about it or maybe had a friend that had one that just kind of wants to test the waters and they're looking to buy you know, like a low five figure business, just to get their feet wet. Mm -hmm. They want to like, you know, um, uh, turbocharge their learning curve. So, you know, when you start from scratch, you have to figure all the basics out. But when you're yeah. buying, let's say a $30,000 dropshipping site, um, your feet to the fire, right? Like you have yeah. to run this business. So you have to learn really quickly. So it, it really helps them kind of speed up the learning curve. So there's a bunch of newbie norms, you know, it's their, maybe their first time buyers or they bought one smaller one before and they want to take another stab at it. We've also got people like Portfolio Paul. Portfolio Paul has anything from a dozen businesses to we have a couple with like, you know, well, one of them has nearly 500 uh, businesses they run oh. with a team of 
just under 100 people. So, you know, they can they can range sometimes their partnerships. They have those like, you know, two, let's say investors and two or three people that run the businesses that they purchase. Sometimes they're like little mini funds where they kind of pool their money together and buy several related businesses in the let's say cat niche, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they they try and buy them and, or buy them over time as kind of a package in the cat space. Um and you'll have just individuals that do it too. Uh, you have people like Lifestyle Larrys. And these are people that we're familiar with. You know, we run our business remotely. We have a distributed team around the world. I'm currently in, in Vietnam. Uh, my business partner's in Manila. And we've got some guys in Medellin, Colombia. We've got a couple of guys in Bangkok. So we have people, you know, all over the place. Um, and so we run into people that want to sell their businesses that are in similar situations. Mm-hmm. And we have the, so it's the sellers, right? They're expats living in Australia, they're expats living in Hong Kong, and they have these online businesses looking to sell them. The buyers, on the other hand, typically are American or Australian, working in a cubicle, or maybe they have their own office, and they're like, look, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I I want to run a business online and, you know, drink the fruity drinks on the beach and run the business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they end up uh, looking for businesses to purchase, and they want to kind of live the lifestyle, right? They want to take control of their time and take control of their own business rather than working for someone else, even though they're paid well. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch. There's the, you know, the uh, strategic Sally. There's the flipper Fred. We've got, we've got a bunch of fire profiles. <laughs> um, I'm assuming there's a blog post about all of those that we can link to from the show notes. There is. Yeah, I'll share. Well, the funny thing is, thing is I, we did this as a podcast originally, and then we did a blog mm-hmm. post about it later. And uh, we just thought we were kind of being silly, and we thought it was kind of a fun way to like name the people and uh, you know name the avatars effectively. And then we shared that in our email list. You know, we we're like, look, you know, we've got this great thing on fire profiles. And then we had a bunch of people just reach back to us, and they're like, oh, I'm a newbie norms right now. Now, but I want to be a flipper Fred <laughs> or I, I really like the strategic Sally approach and yeah, like really fired up about the buyer profile. So we were like, wow, this is really a It's great that, you know, they're coming back to us, telling us kind of who they are and who they want to be in terms of the profiles we, we, we laid out. So yeah, well, fun. It must be pretty cool if you have a buyer contact and you go, hey, by the way, I'm a newbie norm and I'm interested in this one. What do you think? Because yeah, you can go, yeah, well, this is not a newbie norm opportunity. Yeah. Or, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Well, we actually, in our in our CRM, we we don't do a great job of it, but we tried tagging people kind of mm-hmm. by their their profiles. Um, didn't do the best job of that. We do have a bunch of other things we tag them by, but we thought that'd be kind of neat. But, you know, that, that just kind of thing shows the power of a podcast, right? Because they originally yeah. heard it on the podcast and they connected with us on the podcast. And then it just makes it so much easier when we're talking to them because you know, they already know, like, and trust us, right? They, they were in their earbuds on their commute or, you know, at the gym and they, they have a feel for who we are. So it's not, you know, a thing of like trying to convince them, no, 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 here's, here's who we are. No, we're legitimate. I swear, even though I'm in Asia, like, <laughs> we're, we're, we have a legitimate business. Um, I don't have to do any of that. It's basically just trying to help them find the right business that kind of meets their needs. So our, our job changes, which is really cool. Cool. And um, we'll put a link to the podcast in the show notes as well, everybody. Now, we're going to get into the top tips in a couple of minutes, but I thought I can't, given you you get to see all these different businesses, I couldn't have you on and not ask you if you had a, had one or two tips for anyone who's running an e-commerce business. So either dropship or, you know, they're sourcing their own products and selling it via their website who, you know, things you've seen other people do that make a big difference to the value of that business and the profitability of it. 
So uh, the first thing to do is start tracking your financials. So a lot of times, especially, you know, for businesses that are making in profit somewhere between 2000 to 30,000 a month, Mm -hmm. their financials are scattered. Um, they combine multiple businesses into one. Like they say, oh, it's my business. Well, no, that's a, that's a separate <laughs> business. So like separating out the business financials is helpful. Um, and it's helpful, well, to sell for one, because it's it's going to be a pain to go back through and try to clean that yeah. up. But it, but it's also really helpful for you as the entrepreneur, right? Because you once you have the financials broken down, you get a clear financial picture of well, which products are making me money? Which products are not making me money? Should I double down on this? Should I cut this product? Um, how can I get leaner and meaner? Um, it also helps you uh, look for those kind of like you know, those expenses that just kind of line up, right? I ha- right now, and I think we need to do it now. But and you probably have this too, where you have like twenty dollars a month here and. $80 a month there and 300 bucks a month on this thing. You're like, I kind of use it maybe, but if you were looking to sell, let's just say for example, $300 a month expense. If you're looking to sell and you're getting a 30 X multiple, that's not 300 bucks a month. It's a $9,000 difference in your pocket. Right. So yeah. like ah, that, that $300 a month, thing maybe isn't so important. Um, so, you know, tracking your financials fixes a bunch of things. One, looking for those costs that you don't need that you can cut. And then also finding your positive ROI and marketing channels. So you can cut those additional costs and dump in the things that are giving you a return. And that's ultimately going to make your business more valuable in a sale, but it's going to make your business more valuable, more profitable for you too. Right. I mean, they, they kind of go hand in hand. Oh man, I I used to run a Google AdWords agency and I still get to look in a lot of Google AdWords accounts and they are they're like the most black and white version of what you described. You go and you go oh, yeah. that campaign is making you no money. This bit, if you were set it up properly, you would know it wasn't making any money, but you put all your keywords in one place. So it's obviously just dire. <laughs> you yep. know, and it's like yep. you know, I, I can pretty much I often used to say that I could make any AdWords account profitable. But you negative might not get keywords. much volume. Ne- negative keywords is <laughs> helpful. Yeah, yeah. Please use negative keywords, people. Um, oh, we're about to go off on a whole other topic now. So um, rather than do that, um, let's get into the top tips round properly. Now, I love this section because it gives all of us some really quick ideas, just like the ones Justin shared with us, for taking our business to the next level. So, Justin, first up, your book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? So I use this one all the time. So I, I was racking my brain trying to come up with a different one because it's just something I like scream to the rooftops. Everyone needs to read, but it's a uh, built to sell. Have you read this book? Oh yes, I have. I actually had um, John on the show uh, back in episode 99. I think it was awesome. Yeah. It's a fantastic book. It, basically he falls a you follow a fictional a guy with a mentor and he's trying to explain to him how he can build a sellable business and a profitable business. And he talks to him about niching down. He talks to him about, you know, uh, uh, Put building processes and uh, systems into your business. He talks about how to make it not a consultancy, how to make it a you know, productized service effectively, and and it's just fantastic. And whether whether you're building a, a service based business or you're trying to build a product based business or an e commerce business, I think everyone there's something for everyone in the book. Um, and even though it's fictional, it, it, like you're going to find opportunities for your business to make more money and ultimately exit for more money too. Great recommendation. Okay, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? 
So it's slow and it's old. So bear with me, but content marketing crushes it. It crushes it. So I know that you can, you can get going faster with paid Facebook and AdWords and everything, but the, this is kind of the tortoise and the hare method from my perspective. Like if you're putting out amazing content on your blog and you're speaking to your audience in a way that resonates, if you're doing a podcast, if you have a YouTube channel that your customers love, that's super valuable and it, it it compounds over time so for us one of the best methods we found is is uh is content marketing and, and we are we're always asking ourselves when we're looking at new channels we're like do we want to really spend money on this or should we double down on content and and, and that's kind of the the benchmark for whether we test out any new channels or not wow so you, you're literally going right we're thinking of doing linkedin ads should we do this or should we double down on content yes yeah, we did that. We we tested through some LinkedIn ads, and I was like, "Do I really want?" I think it was we were paying like five hundred bucks a month or something. Not not a big deal, but I was like, "Do I want to do that?" Or you know, for would I rather have a you know half time you know contract YouTuber or something? You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm thinking this through in my mind. Whether I have a a show, a podcast once a month for the five hundred bucks, I think I'd rather have the podcast. Yeah. So we when we're testing these channels, we compare it to the marketing that we have currently going and and try to determine what we can get for that value and whether we'd rather have that or not. A, a great there's a great um, if if you're not bought into content marketing, there's a podcast for you to listen to. It's uh, the founder interviewed. Um, lead pages clay collins mm-hmm. i'll get you the link but oh, he yeah. interviews clay collins and they're talking about he talked about how he built and clay collins was talking about how he looked at uh, salesforce and kind of their cost per acquisition uh for hiring a sales team and you know that's the, the route salesforce went and he looked at his cost per acquisition through content marketing and said nope i'm scaling my content team and lead pages hasn't done bad for themselves. It's a great interview. I'll send you that. It's amazing. Oh, marvelous. Love that to the show notes too. Uh, the tool top tip there, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? So I think, I think we would die. I think uh, our team would cease to function if we didn't have Slack. Um, and that's, you know, this is a, a communication app, team communication, collaborative app where we can communicate regularly. I get a lot less emails because of it, but also because we have a distributed team where people in a bunch of different time zones using Slack and being able to work through that is, is fantastic to be a bit more specific about kind of our industry in a tool. Um, I'm going to be promotional here a bit, but we, we created okay. a, uh, evaluation tool, um, which we originally created this internally. So we were using this valuation tool to price businesses for ourselves so that we could, you know, have a tool that uses data over time to determine like what that multiple should be. So I told you a 25x to 35x multiple is a really big range. We want to narrow that down a little bit and see if we could kind of create a tool to do that. And we did that. We started listing the businesses uh, through this tool. We had some, there's some room for error and we, we have to choose eventually based on a bunch of other metrics, but we use this tool. We eventually, we made it public. So we have a publicly facing valuation tool people can use. It'll give you a rough estimate in terms of your multiple and your evaluation based on your inputs. You have to input all your information, but it'll give you a pretty rough estimate on what the the valuation for your e-commerce business is. So if you're curious, you can check it out. Cool. Excellent. Um, And then the last top tip is the startup top tip. If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them? 
So there's a bunch of different, uh, you know, monetization methods and e-com ways to do e-commerce, right? Um, there's drop shipping, there's FBA, there's your traditional e-commerce where you either store it in your house or your garage, you can store it at a, a warehouse. There's a lot of different ways to kind of skin the cat. And I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but one of the worst things you can do, I think, as a, an early entrepreneur is kind of hop on to the latest thing and not get good at it. So you find something that's new and popular and you try it out and then the next new and popular thing comes along and you never really become an expert at that first thing. So I think picking a particular monetization or business type and sticking sticking with it, there's a lot of value over time and just continuing to do the same thing. So if you can put your head down and knock it out, I, I think that's that's a, one of the ingredients for success. Excellent. Well, Master Plan World, you can find those top tips and links to the many, many other things we've been chatting about in today's episode by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you'll see a link to this show. Justin, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find more about you and Empire Flippers on the web and social media, please? Of course, Chloe. Yeah, you can check us out at empireflippers.com. I'm also on Twitter. If you want to give me a shout, I'm at, at empireflippers. Nice and quick. Um, I'll add links to all of that and everything else in today's show notes. Uh, Masterplan World, you can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use the search box. Justin, thank you so much for being on the Ecommerce Masterplan podcast today. Um, it's been absolutely brilliant and I've learned a lot and I will be going and trying to work out which one of those six types of buyer I might be myself. Awesome. Let me know, Chloe. Awesome. Thank you very much. Wow, great there to catch up with Justin and run through what he's discovering in the world of the buying and selling of e-commerce businesses at the moment. So Amazon Merch, I had no idea that existed. So that was an interesting one to find out about. And then he's also told, told us about those different types of buyers. So for those of you out there thinking, you know, maybe you need to plug another business in or you're thinking, you know, you've always wanted to have your own store and you're thinking about how to go about it. I go and check out those buyer personas, see what resonates with you and see what therefore might be the sort of business you buy. And a great explanation of multiples there as well. Well, look, guys, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you've got comments or questions, then head over to the Facebook group that you'll find at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Facebook. Be great to see you in there. The next episode in the 2018 growth series will be out on Monday. It's my interview with 16-year e-commerce veteran Adam Watson, owner of Hollywood Mirrors. So expect a few tips about the interiors trade. But mainly, we're going to be discussing the nightmare scenario Adam had to deal with in 2016 when he lost everything. We're going to cover how he started again and the lessons he's learned, which includes building three, yes, count them, three new e-commerce sites. Whilst you're waiting for the next podcast, why not watch some of the great videos in the e-commerce master plan virtual summit? It's completely free and we've just added some more sessions. So go on, have a watch ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash summit. Have a great week and keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.